Welcome to Through the Lens of Christ, a podcast designed to have conversation about things that are happening in culture, questions that we may have theologically, um, and other questions that impact our day in and day out lives. Our desire is to be able to build these conversations and to be able to get us to critically think, not just about the events that are happening, but how do we see these events through the lens of Christ. I hope you enjoy the conversation, and I hope it helps you to critically think through issues in our lives. Hey, how you doing, Steve? I am fine. Thanks, Adam. How are you? I am, I am well. So I'm Adam Baker, here with Steve Douster and Ashley Borwerk. And uh, for this episode, we're actually going to be, we did a, a couple month series in Jonah. Um, we ended that um, a couple of weeks ago and asked for just a people had questions. How do we, how do we interact with some of the text? And, you know, like I get 30, sometimes take 40 minutes on a Sunday morning, but there's still a lot of questions that I just don't answer or some questions I create by what I say. And so how do we um, interact with that? We had a couple of questions that uh, felt like this would be a good format to answer. So Ash is going to ask those questions, and we're going to try to do a serviceable job of, of answering them. Sounds good. Well, when you had Mark on the podcast, you introduced him as a special guest. So I'm only a little bit offended, but it's fine. <laughs> so this is this is Ashley Vorwerk, our super special guest, who will be sharing some of these questions with us. <laughs> All right. Thank you. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Question number one. How do I not be angry? Was that from you? <laughs> <laughs> was that was tied into what you were talking about? So <laughs> Um, the question, and, and the question is a good one. When you look at the context of what, what I was spending a lot of time in Jonah, and you look at where Jonah's at, uh, the question is a good one. How do I not be angry? We look at the the world itself, and um, as believers or not believers, there's just a lot of things that create tension and frustration. And so we, uh, I, I spent a lot of time throughout Jonah talking about how our our responsibility isn't to be angry. And we saw Jonah up on the hill, just kind of bitter and waiting for everything to collapse. And how, how do we not do that well it's a good question i mean maybe we should be angry but we should be angry for the right reasons it seems to me that jonah was turned within himself he's thinking about himself self-pity and and really not focusing on god and his message and what god would want and and he's angry about what god's doing for crying out loud i mean he's he's really upset about that so it seems to me like he's sinning in his anger when we if, if we were aligned with god and what he would have if we had the mind of christ we would be angry at the same things that God is angry at. But he wasn't, that wasn't the case with Jonah. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, and, and I want to, I don't want to steal the thunder from the second question, but they're so well aligned. It's hard to do one without the other. The, the second question is what, Ashley? When is it okay to be angry? Right. I mean, these, these are so well aligned. It's hard sure. to answer one without the other. And um, I think what you're getting to, which I think we should answer first is, is it okay to be angry? Um, which is a great question. And I, I think, yeah, that, I think that's a point that, um, uh, um, there are scripture on both sides of that. Um, we clearly, well, I, I believe that anger is an emotion that we've been given and God gave us that emotion and there isn't an emotion, there isn't anything that God gave us that is wrong. The question is how do we use those emotions and how do we let them hold us captive? And I think what, what you were getting to is that Jonah was using that emotion. One, his focus was wrong, but even the way he used that emotion held him captive. And when we're paralyzed by our emotions, that's that's no longer a God-given uh, impact from the emotion. Sure. Our emotions are a reflection of our values and what we love. And so if we're loving the right things, if our heart is tuned to Christ and we're loving him more than anything, then we're going to have emotions that reflect that. If otherwise, they won't. Uh, I think of I think of 
was Jesus ever ever angry? And of course he was. Yeah. Of course yeah. Jesus is Jesus. I mean he's he's yeah. God, and, but but he certainly was angry, and he is our example. So I think there are times that we can be angry and should be angry, and actually yeah. it would be a sin not to be angry. Yeah. But there are other times, and I think more often than not, we get angry about the wrong things. There, there's always some sort of a sin in our anger because we're not Jesus and we're sinful people. The question is, are we? is our trajectory following Christ? And, and are we trying to imitate him naturally and also kind of cognitively and then with our emotions as well? Yeah, and I, I think it would, it, it would be a... Um, it's a good exercise for people to look at what made Jesus angry. What what riles up God's anger? And there's a difference between the Old Testament and New Testament where we see this this perception of anger. But if we just talk about Christ, like what where was his anger directed? Who was he angry at? Why did he get angry? And I think what you'll find in, in Scripture is that he's he's angry at those who were the religious leaders. He's angry at those who profess to know better, should have known better, those those who were the covenant people, and they're rejecting the very Messiah, they're rejecting the king, they're rejecting God. And so we look at why he's angry and who he's angry at and how he responds to that, and I think we often justify our anger towards a lost world. And you don't see, at least I, I can't think of anywhere, that Christ is expressing anger to the outside world. Right, he often he represents them as the sick needing the hospital. He um, constantly is going out and sitting with the sinners. He's out and not that he's accepting of them, but his anger is less one of you know I'm just angry at this broken world and more one of I, I I'm here to seek and save that which is lost. And I think we often look at it. I'm going to be angry at the world because I don't like what's happening where our, our anger should be more directed by how we as Christians are operating and, and responding to, the, to influence. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, thinking of even Christ um, when he's being tempted by Satan, he doesn't, he doesn't even seem angry at him right then, yeah. um, yet he's angry at the hypocrites yes. um, because they're being, well, being led by Satan is, is, yep. a, is a problem. But, but isn't, isn't that, I don't know, that's just an interesting thought to me. So, mm-hmm. so I think he's angry at hypocrites. I think he's, um, he's surely um, against Satan, but doesn't show his anger in that regard. I think we often show our anger against God, even as believers. Um, we rail against the things he gives us, things, yep. things that he lays in front of us that we're to deal with, and we get angry at him for doing yes. it. Or, yep. or maybe we get angry at, well, usually not our own sancti- lack of sanctification. We usually get angry, I think, at the lack of sanctification even in believers. Yes. Uh, and then we also get angry at the world. Where, yep. As you mentioned, I don't... I'm thinking about it, but I don't. I don't know where Jesus shows a lot of anger against a, the world that's lost. I think, like you said, he expects that to happen. Right. You know that kind of mess. Yeah. But but we are almost the opposite of that. We're angry at God for what He's given us. Yep. We're angry at the world when Jesus doesn't seem to show us that much. Yeah. We're not angry at ourselves enough. Right. There's all kinds of man. We got issues. We we it's do. A real problem. We do. Yeah. I mean, I, I think about the the situations that we're in currently, which is you know we can be angry about all the situations that we're seeing and the, the lostness and the brokenness, and it does incite feelings of anger. Mm-hmm. But I think you're right. It, it becomes a personal sanctification issue. I struggle with it, right? There's some days that I want to be angry about it, but where I constantly am led back to is you said that, that God lays these things at our feet, 
right? Mm-hmm. What? Why? 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 Why is he allowing these things to happen? Why was I born in this time to go through these things? Why? Why is it? Did God just spin the wheel and let these things go, or is all this stuff with purpose? And if it's with purpose, I gotta thank him for what whatever yes. it is he's doing, even if I don't understand it. And I gotta work through my own emotion and say, okay, why am I upset? Why am I frustrated? Why am I angry about this? And usually it all comes back to that I'm not in control. And so if I can if I can work through that, then I can come back to a place of okay, God, thank you for what you're doing, even though I don't understand it. Now teach me. Yeah, is God a loving God or not? Yeah. And so, and do we trust Him uh, with His kindness and His grace or not? And is He giving us? Yeah, man, that's, that's a good that's right. a good thing. I I can think of um, even coming back from vacation. You know, we're like coming back into the real world here, and we're <laughs> like we're because I just was on vacation for about four days out, out west, and and we get back into real life, and my wife and I go, we're into real life again, and it's a a little bit of discouragement. I'm like, yeah, but we shouldn't be discouraged. We we Jesus has given us God has given us all these things that we have to do. They're all for our good. Right, where to, where to do them? Right. Well, and you look and at enjoy them. them. Yeah, and, oh, that's you, hard. And enjoy and enjoy the difficulty. How do you right? do that? Um, I don't think that's very easily done without Christ. No. I, I was thinking from an object lesson you were just sharing before we started the podcast about walking up this um, man of two incline. Yeah, yeah this r- ridiculously pointless uh, <laughs> climb. Right, but right. but you did it. Beautiful area. Wonderful thing to do outside with family. Amazing. You're looking at those steps and you're realizing that they're difficult and they're painful and this is a struggle. And once you got up to the top, you had to come down, sure. right? And so you've got a journey on both sides of this thing, but you looked forward to it even though it was painful and difficult. And you were talking about it as it was this joyous thing. It was fun. It was exhausting and rigorous, but man, it was great. Yeah. Shouldn't we see life that way? Yeah, yeah, I think we should. I mean, it, we don't, but we mm-hmm. should. We should see yeah. the end game, right? Yeah. That's a very short end game. That took like an hour. Right. But we've got a whole lifetime of end game that Jesus has laid out for us. Us. Yep. And, and we're to do he and he's if he's strengthening us he'll, he'll give us the strength he'll give us the courage he'll give us the resources uh, which are mainly himself in order for us to complete the task in front of us and he calls us to faithfulness yeah in uh, uh, scripture James 1 20 says that human anger does not produce the righteousness of God and I think that is to me is anger when we say is it okay to be angry I'd say yes it's okay to be angry it's an emotion that we've been given there's yeah. got to be some parameters around that yeah. but I think it's also good to understand the truth of anger that it does not regardless of how we vent that emotion regardless of what we're upset about it does not produce the righteousness of God Christ could be angry and produce the righteousness of God because he is the righteousness of God mm-hmm. but for us as you said we're flawed people our anger will never be purely righteous and so our anger never produces the righteousness of God and if that is our hope then we've got to say man I got to keep putting down this anger and I've got to see what God is doing and it's hard some days I get it I mean even I'm not even just talking about the world I'm, I'm a person who even at home when the kids aren't doing what they should do when I'm tired and, and my wife asks me a question that I don't want to answer I, I easily can snap about things I easily can give a, a short terse answer and those things are all images of anger right even if we're not throwing things and screaming and yelling they're they're representative of anger no i can't think of a time when i responded in that way that it produced the righteousness of god and so okay how do we take a step back and uh, you know take every thought captive and start moving forward 
Yeah, and you know, and it, all these emotions, anger being one of them, is are interesting to me too because I really can't control my emotions. Can you control your emotions? They, no. they just happen. To, no. to me, they just come. And so they're, they're really a reflection of what's going on in my heart. So if I snap or get short, as you mentioned, and, and do all those kind of things, that if, if I'm not looking back and reflecting on what kind of emotion I had in that moment, then I'm, I'm, I'm not being a good steward of what God's given me. I, so, so I think I'm called to... I, I can't control the emotions. They just come at the moment. Mm-hmm. But I am called to reflect on them and repent of any any unbelief, any bad behavior, um, anything that's out of line with what Jesus would have us do. So an, an unexamined life is not what we're to lead. We're to examine those things and, and, to, and to pray over them and to repent when necessary and thank God that he's given them to us and that he can change our hearts and he alone can because I can't do it myself. I cannot control my emotions in that way or I suppress things and all kinds of other problems happen when we suppress emotions. Yep. Yep. So I would say in, in my answer to this in short would be, is it okay to be angry? I would say yes, as long as it's righteous. Are we ever going to have fully righteous anger? No. So we have to realize that the anger, to your well-said point, is that the anger is representing something in us. And if we're not reflecting on that, we're we're missing the point. So I, I can't think of a reason where I would say I would be justified in sitting in my anger. I agree. Uh, so the, the next question, which is, is a great kind of follow-up to this, is then how do I not be angry, right? How, how do I, if that's true, if I don't control my emotions, if how do I not be angry? You kind of answered this a little bit with it's what's happening within us, right? We, we have to acknowledge that the anger is representative of the storm within. So getting back to what's causing that, what do I need to repent of? David said, search me, oh God, know my heart. Like I don't, I don't know who I am you do, God. I, I can lie to myself all day long. Mm-hmm. God is not deceived. So how do I go to him and say, well, what's what's lurking in here? What's causing this storm? Yeah, for sure. So so Christ helps us there, too. So I think the means of grace and, and, and understanding who Christ is, um, you know, don't be anxious for anything. Yeah. Um, I mean, surely some of this anger is coming out. I mean, oftentimes it's coming out of some measure of anxiety, mm-hmm. um, anxiety and, and lack of trust, lack, lack of faith. Like you mentioned before, loss of control or evidence of no control. All of those things happening, they, they can breed anxiety, and we're not to be anxious. An- anxiety is a real problem. How do we not be anxious? I think we trust trust Christ, trust that Jesus is Lord over all, that God is God over all, and that there's nothing outside of his control. I mean, God is a sovereign God. Once again, nothing has been laid in front of us that's, that's unexpected or not for our good and his glory. He means for us to glorify him through those difficult times. And, and that, I think, is one way where his glory shines more brightly uh, in an unbeliever in those difficult things. The, the glory doesn't come. The anger comes. Yes. Um, but but getting um, having victory over that anger through Christ's empowerment is is where glory does come from. Yes. And, and we talk about Christ's empowerment and how does that work itself out in us. We look at things like the fruits of the Spirit. Right? Yes. We, the, those things are all all good. Love, love peace, kindness, gentleness joy, patience, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, like all those things are good. We look at uh, Philippians 4, 8, when we say that that uh, Paul teaches that we should, whatever is lovely and right and true and noble and good, th- those are the things that we should be focused on. If we're going to change, uh, if we desire to change the emotion, if I don't want to be angry, we're not going to will ourselves to change the emotion. No. We have to allow the, the sanctifying work of Christ to be happening within us. That change reduces the anger. To just start a, you know, I'm going to change the habit of being angry or I'm going to be nicer isn't going to be effective. 
yeah, I'm just case in point, I think we're typically angry at the wrong things. I mean, think, think of this situation. Oftentimes, I think people get angry over politics or something going on in the world or, or some offense to someone or whatever it might be way more than we get angry about someone um, slamming Christ or slamming the church or slandering uh, Jesus. We don't get angry about that, but we get angry when, when we find out that there's some new you know, dictate coming down from Washington, D.C. I mean, really, just look back over what we get angry about and see how many times we get offended um, by someone um, saying something negative or, or, or wrong, lying, slandering Jesus. Yeah. We, we, are, we are really off in our, in our emotion and, and, and how we are offended. It's a real problem. Yeah, and sometimes we convince ourselves that it, they're good things, right? That we uh, they, well, they look can good, be. right? Well, they do, right? I was yeah. uh, talking to somebody this morning who uh, was was talking about uh, railing against Planned Parenthood and abortion, and we I should. agree, right? I mean, like, like it is. It angers me. I don't understand it. We talked about that before. Like, I, I, we don't understand the thought process of that. How can you think it's not murder? All of those things, right? But the question that I asked was. Okay, so we get rid of abortion, but none of those people go to heaven. Right. Do we care as much? Right. right. Or are we just trying to get rid of abortion? And I think in, in the, the response was one of a kind of, I don't know. And that we that shouldn't be the response, right? Our, our first frustration should be that there are lost people, and lost people do lost things. And so how do we, how do we care most about that and then allow the outcomes to follow? It doesn't mean we don't care about those things, and it doesn't mean we don't support. You know, I said I, I personally support a lot of pro-life movements. I support a, a lot of things against uh, whether it's sex trafficking or, or teaching about LGBTQ things or all of those things I think are good and right that we do, but they're not the source of my anger. Yeah. I, another way to think of that too is, am I operating out of love in this situation in the way that Christ would have me operate? So, so kind of to your point, am I talking to an unbeliever who's telling me all these things about, you know, Planned Parenthood and how he agrees with it and likes it. Well, what do you expect? Or what should we expect? It's a lost person. How do we love them? We, we have to show them Christ for the first time. But what if it's a believer that's in that situation? What am I, what am I supposed to do there? Well, I'm supposed to love them too. And I'm supposed to understand that, okay, you, you believe that Christ is your savior. Well, let's talk about this situation and how unchrist like it is, right? This is not the way of Christ. And and will they repent or will they hold fast to, to something that um, I think is pretty darn clear biblical teaching about, about the nature of life? Yes. Yep. Yeah. And so the, again, to go back to the original question, which was how do I, how do I not be angry? We need to be more filled with Christ. Yes. And so we're going to continue to try to, we'll struggle with anger until we're filled with Christ. And we should be fighting every day to be filled with Christ. Yes. Using the means of grace to know Jesus. And and yes. Amen. Um, Next question. Question number three is, excuse me. Did the Ninevites hear the truth of Christ before Jonah? Is it lost to never have heard the name of Christ or to have never heard the truth of Christ? Jonah only delivered half the message. So how did they hear the truth? Did the Holy Spirit make it known to the Ninevites? Um, so I want to clarify a couple of things in here before we try to tackle the the questions. That, that um, quite, yeah, that question seemed like six questions to right. me. Maybe I'm missing <laughs> yeah, something. So I like said number three, parts. but it was three through nine. <laughs> exactly. Thanks a lot, Ash. Right. <laughs> um, one would say that the, the general premise around this question from the person who submitted it was really around the how do I speak to the lost in an effective way, and am I 
am I confident that I'm doing it in the way that God would ordain and bless, right? So I think that's kind of the heart of the question. The other thing, just to clarify that if you didn't listen to the Jonah series and we're talking about Jonah delivering half a message, because um, Jonah never says that it, the book itself never says he didn't, he only delivered half a message. You have to go to Jeremiah 18 and see what a warning from God looks like. And it is this message of, of both uh, warning and hope. And Jonah didn't provide that message of hope. So if somebody doesn't hear, if they just hear the warning or the condemnation and they never hear the hope, how then would they repent? And we see the Ninevites did exactly that. So how did that happen? And it's a great question. This is a great question. Yeah. I don't think I know the answer to that question. <laughs> <laughs> I think, well, I think, maybe, I mean, yeah. but, the, but there's a couple things about the question. I mean, first of all, I mean, if it was the message of hope, um, Jesus is Lord at that time. I mean, Jesus hadn't been born yet. He not yep. even for a long time hadn't been born yet. Yep. So, so what would have, what would have messaged, what does a message of hope in the Old Testament look like? Yeah, and I think that's where you, you even get to the the point of if everyone's saved through Christ, even the people who were lived before Christ, how does all of that work together? That's the question, right? And yeah. so, what we're really saying is that uh, that we're saying, do I trust in God? God promised redemption. God promised salvation. He promised all, if we look at all the scriptures, we see it now because it's revealed through Christ. But understanding all the Old Testament was pointing both for towards a need for a Savior and to a Savior. Yes. And people who put their trust in Christ pre-Christ, and I say pre-Christ, the incarnate Christ, Christ mm-hmm. being eternal. Yes. Um, but the idea that that they were putting their trust in God in a future Messiah. That's right. Right. And I so, agree. Right. So they, they were merely saying, we don't know how all this is going to work, but I trust that God is going to work out his plan. So Jesus is still the only way of salvation, even in the Old Testament. So, so even when it's an unnamed Christ, Christ is still the way of salvation for the Jews of any time, all right, or, or naturalized Jews or whatever they might be. Um, to come to Christ, even in the Old Testament. Yes. Yes, I agree. Yeah. So uh, one of the questions was, if somebody doesn't hear the the name of Christ preached, so now we live in, in the um, after Christ time, right? So if somebody doesn't hear the name of Christ, are they condemned to hell? Jesus is still the only way of salvation. Whether you botch the name or whatever it might be, uh, the name is an indication of who he is and what he's done, just like the name of God, I think. I'm just... Thinking here, um, so so Jesus is the only way. You might not call it Jesus. You may have another name for him, um, which is a little a little bit that could be a little dangerous. But it has to represent the Christ of Scripture, um, who he is, how he came, um, his 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 eternality, his triunity with uh, the Father and the Holy Spirit. All of those things, his his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection. All of those things have to be there for it to be the Jesus of the Bible, the Jesus that the gospel um, is referencing. Yeah. That, is, that, is there a way to yeah. make that better? I, and, and I feel no, it's a little loose. Uh, no, I, I would agree. I, th- I think there's a lot of debates around um, the, the, we get very literal about the name of Jesus. Yeah, right? With like, and, however many letters are in that word. Right, yeah. <laughs> right. it's like how, how literal, when we talk about the name of Jesus, what are we actually declaring? Mm-hmm. I, to me, it goes back to the account we have in, in Revelation where we see the name of Jesus, but it's really defined more broadly 
in terms of all of his character, all of his attributions, right. all of, like the name of the name of Jesus is the fullness of who Christ is, is the very fullness of God. Um, even I, I can't remember the the reference right now in Revelation, but where they're talking about his his name was written, and that we it's the name that can't be said. And so we look at that, and there's a lot of debate on okay, well, what was that, and what is that? I don't know. I just know that if it's if it's ambiguous, ambiguous. That's a really bad way to say it. But if it's ambiguous, we'll try to actually leave that in just to mock me. But if it's uh, if it's ambiguous, um, we still need to understand who we're worshiping. And so it's this fullness of, like you said, it's it's the full gospel message from beginning to end, and it's also just the full character of who he is so i would say i you, you hear stories um to me they're really cool stories they're, they're like you know give me goosebumps but where you've got uh, muslim countries where people are having visions uh, you've got mm-hmm. um tribal cultures who you know there, there was a story of uh, missionaries who came into this tribal culture and began to to discuss jesus and they they immediately took the this couple to the chief and the chief came to them and they thought they were they were going to get killed right this is a remote tribe who does not let in uh, outsiders and so they get taken into the chief and so um, they come and the, the chief in his language, so through translators, they finally figure out that he's saying, tell us the story. So they tell the story and they said that that this is the person that they took him to somebody else. And they said, this is the person this person had dreams about. And so tell us more about him. And the whole village got saved. Yeah. Like that to me is amazing. Yeah. And they never knew the name of Jesus. They knew who he was. Right. And so I, I think that our responsibility is to declare the name of Jesus. And, I, and I'm not going to pretend that I don't know his name. Right. So, right. Cause we do right. know his name. It's spelled out in the Bible. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So we, we declare that truth, but I desire more than anything to bring his characteristics, to bring the truth, of who he is to bring a salvation message about what he's done i i believe that is our responsibility yeah i think that's how people are saved by seeing christ for who he is so seeing the glory of jesus in his character and in his in his himself that's so so to expound upon that is the way to see christ and be saved yeah And, and we shouldn't because that is one of the challenges in evangelism Right? How do I how do I do it right? And what if I fail? And isn't that a lot of pressure on me? If say I didn't do it right, say I was like Jonah and I gave half a message, and say that person walked away and they never received Christ, and and they spent an eternity in hell because I did a horrible job of sharing the message. That is an enormous weight and can be extremely paralyzing. Hmm. The question is, is that theologically accurate? Right? Are we putting too much weight and emphasis on our ability to save people. Um, we've been called to participate in this work. We've been called to be ambassadors. We've been called to, to make his name attractive. We've been, we've been called to declare who he is both through our lives and through our speech. And so we should do that. But we don't get to save people. Right. And we should be joyous about the way we go through that. And, and then when we don't do it in a way of that's joy-filled or a wrong way, we can repent. Mm-hmm. So, and we should repent. Yeah. Yeah. So my encouragement would be that if you're, that we should all be trying to bring the name of Christ to people, that we should not put the pressure of saving people on us. We should put the pressure of Romans 10 talks about like, of if people need to hear the name of Christ and if, if nobody says it, then how will they believe? If nobody sends them, then, then who will hear? And there's this, um, a long kind of, uh, dissertation on the process by which, and we use it a lot in, in terms of missionaries and sending people. The truth is that people need to go and people need to share and people need to bring the truth of Christ and that we can't be afraid of an outcome. The worst outcome is that we don't share. Yeah. Jesus needs to be known and he needs to be described. 
Yes. And the Bible does that in, in lots and lots of ways. Yes. Yep. So we've got, is it okay to be angry? Yes, if you are fully righteous. So so we've got a lot of work to do when we're angry. We need to be introspective and understand what it's coming from. How do I not be angry? Be more sanctified, which is a, a lifelong work being filled with Christ and the and the graces that we've been given um, as a as gifts from God. And then how do I how do I evangelize well? How are the people saved all through Christ, beginning to end? Anyone that is gonna see heaven has been saved through Christ. And uh, that's that's our only hope. Yeah, very good. Thanks, Adam. Thank you.